The Wholeness Network. Awaken to the reality of wholeness. Brian Miller is a husband and father, writer and teacher, entrepreneur and philanthropist, and a spiritual coach. Within the Larry H. Miller Group of Companies, Brian serves on the Board of Directors and as Executive Director of Culture. Outside the family enterprise, Brian is president of a consultancy group that serves the needs of individuals and legacy families. He recently launched the School for Good Living, a coaching company dedicated to helping achievers live extraordinary lives of happiness, meaning, and contribution and to helping legacy families position themselves for multi-generational success. Brian's guiding philosophy is, live a life that matters. Brian, what does wholeness mean to you? Well, Wholeness to me means the condition of being complete, right? Being continuous, being unbroken, just one. Being complete. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) I love it. And in your family enterprise that you have, um, your family's business, I feel like they're one of the most whole companies I've ever seen. There is emphasis on every aspect of the individuals, the company is, has a whole, has so much philanthropy involved in it, mm-hmm. so much service, um, but also personal growth and integrity in the company, opportunities for the employees, how they treat the employees, what the incentive programs are for the employees. Tell us about wholeness and how you've, your family has applied it to, on such a massive scale, a business enterprise that has 80 separate businesses at least, right? Yeah, that's right. And how many employees at this point? Uh, Nearly 11,000, yeah. Hey, so how do you apply wholeness on that scale? What comes to mind now is the idea of wholeness is any, any micro, any microcosm, any part of something that's whole is merely a part of the larger thing. And it's, there's this awareness of that fact, right? Meaning any employee is in fact the company. Right, and, and that's easy to see if somebody comes to buy a new car or come see a movie or go to a jazz game, any single person they interact with in that moment is the Larry H. Miller Group or is the Utah Jazz or is the Megaplex Theaters. And my parents, when they bought their first Toyota store, went into business for themselves 40 years ago now, um, You know, part of what motivated them was to be able to provide quality jobs, like good jobs for people, to su- provide a living for the family, and then also to provide um, a benefit to the community, right? To help people get their transportation needs met. So there was always, I believe, an awareness of the bigger picture of the many different people who are impacted by the things we do. So I think that that's continued, that awareness has continued as the group has grown, you know, as there's been opportunities to buy other dealerships or get into other businesses. And that one thing has has remained constant. Mm I love when you're talking about how every person in the organization is an important part of the whole because if you look at the whole, you can't say that one piece or part is more important than anything else. And you're right, if they're going to a movie that night and that's the only interaction they have with your family's business, 
that is everything. So yeah. by definition, right? It's the whole. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. Your father, Larry H. Miller, was such an amazing man and created uh, the beginnings of this great legacy and an enterprise that your family has. In the book about him called Driven, your mom was very candid about his health, that he would take care of everybody else and everything else but not his health. Yeah. And so in relation to wholeness, how, how did that lack of looking at health affect your family? Well, it did have a big impact on our family, um, I think in many ways. Part of it was the fact that my dad was gone work, you know, to work. He was working Physically so gone. much of, of his life, mm -hmm. certainly in my life. Um, I remember, you know, he would be gone to work by the time I woke up for school in the morning and he was still gone at, you know, at work by the time my mom read me a bedtime story and tucked me in at night. And then he would work Saturdays. You know, and then Sunday he would basically crash to be able to rejuvenate enough to go do the six days again, you know, 16 hours a day or more mm -hmm. for for 20 years. So there was the, the physical absence. And then when he was present, he wasn't always the most pleasant person <laughs> to be around, to be honest. Right. A dad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think he was an amazing, amazing. person, but he wasn't right. necessarily right. a dad. I mean, we didn't, you know, play a lot of catch and right. he didn't teach me to ride a bike right. and we didn't go fishing you know these kinds of things I still like to blame my lack of do-it-yourselferness on the fact that I didn't have a dad that showed me how <laughs> do it right so um, but that's that's one way it impacted our family and then another way and and as I'm saying this what I'm present to as well is the many blessings that we right. have so right. if I talk about impact right. how it's impacted the family to to be fair, there's a lot of blessings that right. have come as a result of the sacrifice he made and, and the work he did. But other ways that, um, you know, maybe not so favorable include, you know, for him specifically, his, his health, yeah. as you talked about, where he died at 64 years old, which I think is way too, too young, young, you know. Right. And before he passed, his legs were amputated due to complications from diabetes. And when I saw him in the hospital in that condition, you know, I became very clear that that would not be me, you know, yes. that I would take care of myself. I would drink water. He drank a lot of soda. You know, he didn't go to the doctor. He, he worked long hours under high stress, um, you know, didn't get a lot of sleep, you know, these kinds of things. And uh, as it inevitably does, it caught up to him. Yes. Mm. Yes. And he left much too soon, but he was an amazing man. And just to look at that life so impacted by health, by the physical body, that he had everything. He he could have had anything, no. but to not have his health, that really was hard. Well, I know that you love the blessings of your dad because you followed that book up with your own book, Beyond yep. the Drive, yep. which is a collection of stories about uh, people's lives that he impacted, service that nobody ever knew about it. Uh, and so tell us about that book. Maybe share yeah. a favorite story. Yeah, Behind the Drive was a great project where with the support of my family, you know, I spent about two years collecting stories from him, as, as you said, from mm -hmm. childhood friends to NBA legends, you know, business partners, competitors. I mean, it was a pretty diverse um, group of people. And it was long enough after he'd passed that people were willing to really open up 
but not so long that his memory had been forgotten, which I knew it would. You know, the Japanese have this proverb that those who depart are forgotten day by day. Mm-hmm. And is, you know, is, is normal. But I realized that the person that he was and, and the, the ideals that he lived, I think are way too important to just fade away, especially where the group right. of companies remain. So I wanted to preserve that and our, and our family wanted to preserve that in a really powerful way. So, you know, with my family support, we got all these stories, picked um, what we thought were the best ones, you know, the very best ones, and there were a lot of stories. Had them edited, created a book of 99 of them. Mitt Romney was kind enough to write the foreword. And um, there were just so many. There's, there's one in there that has really made an impact on me that was told by um, a guy named Kirk Jowers. And Kirk talks about when my dad was asked by Governor Huntsman to serve as kind of an informal uh, part of his cabinet, his kitchen table cabinet type thing. And he was doing the work at the time he was at his sickest point right before um, his death. And he was asked to facilitate a meeting, you know, Mm -hmm. and he just had his legs amputated. And although he couldn't be there in person, he led the meeting by phone. And it's like, if there was ever a good excuse (laughs) to miss a meeting, I think that might have been it, but he didn't. And that kind of integrity, you Mm -hmm. know, if he told you he would do something like unless he was dead, (laughs) he would he would do it. And there there were no reasons. There were no excuses. It was just there was total congruence between, you know, his word and his deed. And I think about how, you know, my life or our lives as people might be different if we lived with that level of integrity. And you do. You do. You do. And you're, well, you've inspired me well, watching you. that. So I, I strive powerful. to. He was a very powerful example, as all of our parents are, yeah. you know, for all of us. Yeah. Well, it's exciting to see where you're going in your life. And so we want you to tell us about that. Tell us about your new book. Oh, thank and you. Um, what is the School for Good Living? Yeah, the School for Good Living is something that I've created, honestly, as a way for me to continue to do the things I love the most, which is to learn and grow, to connect with people, make new friends, um, serve others, and have fun. Mm -hmm. And not only for myself, but for my team. You know, there's a small, talented, creative group of people that I like to think are doing some very meaningful work to serve others. And ultimately, it's a coaching company. So we serve basically two types of people. We serve achievers, you know, people who are looking for a better quality of life for themselves first, Mm -hmm. but who also want to contribute to others. So I'm really committed to helping achievers live lives of happiness, meaning and contribution. Mm -hmm. I think contribution is something we all want to make, but we don't always know how. So that's part of the need that the School for Good Living is intended to meet, is how can I help others get their needs or desires to serve others met? The other group of people that this School for Good Living serves is families of wealth and influence. So mm-hmm. people who were like me growing up inside uh, an established family enterprise that maybe don't know what to do with it or they don't know who they are or mm-hmm. what they want or where they're going. It's the same situation that we're all in ultimately, but there's a few different dynamics mm-hmm. for people You know, when they have the, the balance of the last name maybe that's known in their community and they're working to be known by their first name yeah. just make mm-hmm. the difference that they that. Mm-hmm. they uniquely can make and that is a unique challenge that is <laughs> yeah that's good of you to reach out 
because yeah. that's you know those those guys are often forgotten. Yeah. What what's wrong with you? You know you're right. fine. <laughs> I would trade places with you in a minute. Yeah, pe people think that. And they think a, that. A lot of people. My observation is that many people who have privilege often self-destruct. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a little bit like giving a toddler the keys to a Corvette. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, that probably wasn't the smartest thing mm -hmm. you could have done. <laughs> yeah, that's part of what I what I feel called to do. I love it. And that's the thing is it's not just, it's a societal problem because if we all think, if I only had that, then I'm okay. So then if you have that, then you're like, why am I not okay? It just intensifies the, those feelings of then why am I not okay? Oh, I mean, it's, it's it's a whole society. It's not just mm -hmm. those people that need to figure it out. It's a societal thing. Yeah, it's, I think it's so. all of us that need to yeah. to to look at those those thoughts and be with them and see if they are true. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. So tell us about your new book, Life's Best Practices. Yeah, Life's Best Practices is a project I started a few years ago. And what I wanted to do was to take the things that I've learned in my life and be able to put them into some kind of a framework that I could then share with others. Um, and first of all, even just preserve for myself, mm. right? So this book, as it unfolded, um, really kind of organized itself into these three sections of power, productivity, and peace. Mm -hmm. And the power section is based on this idea that each one of us has genius, although we don't always believe it. And even if we believe it, we don't always access it. So how can we how can we access it and live it? And then that deals with things like emotional mastery, with purpose, identity, knowing what our outcomes are. Then the second section of this book is, again, productivity. So now helping people do the great work that they're capable of doing once they've accessed their mm -hmm. genius. And then the third part, peace, is really about finding the lasting satisfaction that's possible the happiness and the enjoyment that is available in every moment, but we maybe don't always feel. So that section deals with you know, mindfulness, with gratitude, with love, with perspective and, and happiness. So that's, that's it, and it's in 17 modules. I've actually created it, 17 modules or chapters, I've actually created it as an online coaching program as well. Oh, nice. So part of what I'm really interested to do is to help other coaches lead people through the life's best practices curriculum because I'm very clear that a I won't be here forever you know <laughs> I know that and b uh, my time like all of our time is very limited I only work one-on-one -on -one with three clients at any given time so this this program and this book is a way for me to help reach others and to train coaches to to reach others as well mm -hmm. so is the book part of the program or is it independent yeah, so the book, it's kind of, I like to think of it a little bit like, you know, any book or seminar that you've heard of, like, say, The Seven Habits, for example. You know, you could buy the book and you can you gotcha. can read it and you can get a lot out of it. You can go to a seminar. You know, you could probably sign up for a coach to work with one-on-one -on -one or as part of a group, and, and that's it. So the book parallels the, the online program. What the program offers, first of all, is community. So we do a weekly video coaching call where people come together. They share their experiences. They're able to ask questions. So there's that that part of it is really valuable. And then there's also the content where people go through it at their own pace. They read the material. They answer the questions. They do the exercises. And then it creates a structure. And there's a process that encourages people to actually complete the work and not just do the thing that so many of us do where you get excited, you <laughs> sign up, you get eight pages in, you know. So that's it. Yeah. 
Just do it a minute a day. That's right. <laughs> Just keep going. Okay, so a guiding philosophy of yours is to live a life that matters. Is that is that true? So how do you determine what matters? Well, I, I acknowledge it's highly subjective. Well, what I love about this, live a life that matters, about that idea is mm -hmm. these two aspects. One is, first of all, um, making a difference for other people. Right. Uh, I think many people who are unhappy are unhappy because they're either not sharing with others, you know, whether it's their knowledge, it's their time, it's their energy, it's their resources, or they're sharing so much with others that they're depleting themselves. Mm, wow. So finding the balance of contributing to others and making a difference for them that matters for them. So when I say live a life that matters, part of that means live a life that matters to others. And then the part of it is live a life that matters to you. And ultimately, each of us gets to decide whether we're living a life that's satisfying and meaningful, you know, for ourselves. Mm. Well, you are yeah. a fantastic example of that. And I really admire the work that you're doing, the time mm. that you will take out to have your mindfulness mornings, your mm. time. And they're so well um, thought out and so, so much heart that you can feel as you're there. Mm -hmm. And that's such a gift to the community that you do it for, for free, people can yeah. come. Yeah, that's right. And um, it's been really a joy to come and, and to learn at your feet. So. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I'm, I'm so glad that you've been a part of the community. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And uh, you know, there's a poem, there's a line in the poem that I love that says, repeat yourself as long as it is interesting. <laughs> so for me, it's like, yeah, you talk about there being a lot of love in this, or a lot of heart in yeah. it, and it's because I love it. Mm -hmm. And if, if that ever changes, then maybe I'll change. But it's been a year, you know, that we've been doing yeah. it, and I plan to keep doing it for a long time. That's so in great. fact, one of the things I, I want to start soon is actually I want to start a writer's group. Ooh. Where oh, And what I want to do is in the same way that now we're coming together for 90 minutes to learn about and experience mindfulness, I actually want to bring people together to share a little bit about what I've learned as I've been interviewing authors for my podcast. I've interviewed 16 now. I've got oh, seven more interviews lined up. So I want to have a little bit of a lesson about writing and self-expression and how to share that. Maybe some of that would even go up into the marketing and, and platform building. And then to have people just write. Mm. They write on their own thing, but they're all together for an hour, an hour and a half. You know, something like that. So, so nice. maybe we'll start doing that once a month as well. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. That is yeah, would that be fun? Yeah, that would awesome. be great. I love it. Sign me up. Well, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> and yeah. we happen to know that tomorrow is your birthday. Yes. And so we we wondered what to get the man <laughs> that has everything. Oh, we're connected. <laughs> and um, I have high hopes on this that you may not have this. Oh, my goodness. But well, thank you. if you do have it, then I will just assume that like minds... <laughs> I mean, great we'll minds think alike. Yeah, we will take that. You know, you got to be so. careful with that great minds think alike thing because somebody <laughs> pointed out to me that small minds seldom differ. <laughs> so, which is it? <laughs> oh dear. All right. Well, I got, I'm going to open it now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think you okay. should. Let's do that. I think you should. That's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it's a puzzle. No, it's not a puzzle. It's not a puzzle. You'll see. He loves puzzles. I do love oh, puzzles. He loves right. Monopoly. He loves pinball I hear machines. about your genius. Yeah. Yeah. Playing. Oh, a Buddha board. Master the art of letting go. Wow. Do you have this? No, I don't. 
Buddha board. Buddha board is inspired by the Zen idea of living in the moment. You simply paint on the surface with water and your creation will come to life in bold design. Then, as the water slowly evaporates, your art will magically disappear, leaving you with a clean slate and a clear mind, ready to create a whole new masterpiece. Wow. It's that like, is awesome. Thank you. It's like a meditation tool. Yeah, it that is. is really cool. It is. Well, that's very thoughtful. I'm so Thank happy you. you have never heard of it. I yeah. know. I that can't is believe neat. that. That's really neat. I can't believe that. Well, this will be fun. I want to bring this to Mindfulness Morning and let people make their little creations yeah, as okay. they come in. Excellent. So, Thank you. Well, we appreciate um, all that you have done to teach us, and um, you are a great teacher. Thank you. And just knowing your personal life and how I really feel like you're one of the most amazing people I've ever met that incorporates wholeness into a daily practice and daily living, that you're so mindful in everything that you do, all your charity, all your um, service, how you spend your time, even all your thank you notes to your employees. I think you're very mindful and very conscientious and it it elevates all of us. So well, thank you. Thank well, you so much. Well, thanks for making the time today to talk with me. And I hope this, uh, this message reaches somebody and does some good <laughs> at some point. We could do the thing that Carl Sagan did, send it out on the Voyager to the depths of the universe, maybe someday. And if not, you know, the golden record. The world. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks, Brian. Thank, thank you. knowledge and growth at thewholenessnetwork.com.